Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. Well, come with me in your imagination on my family vacation. Are you ready? We are going to go to Rath Trevor Beach Provincial Park in Parksville, Vancouver Island. It's the first morning we get up, we brew a Starbucks coffee through our AeroPress. We head down the gravel yet wooded a winding path to the ocean. The ocean breeze, cool morning ocean breeze hits us simultaneously with the, the sunshine and the warmth of the sun. We go to a beach log. And we go to the beach log, we sit down, we open up to the Psalms and we read the Psalms and the Psalms sing to us and our creator speaks to us through the Psalms. This is what typically we do on our vacation as a couple, Christy and I, my wife and I, and I wanted to really set the mood as we get going because Psalms have been really speaking to me for a very long time on our vacation at the beach. So you can imagine the, the smells and the, the sunshine and the cool breeze and the beach right in front of you as we dive in and set this mood. So we're going to get into Psalm 130 and we're going to really wrestle through this psalm. And the main point that I want us to come through with is that there is hope in Jesus. Now, if there's anything that you want to get out of this, the very biggest thing that I want you to leave, be left with is that there's hope in Jesus. So... In saying all this, let's dive into the passage. It's Psalm 130, and I'm going to read it for you. It says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than a watchman wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So this psalm has no author listed. Really interesting. But some of our Bibles, it'll say at the very top, it says a song of ascents. So, so what does that mean, a song of ascent? Well, the song of ascents are numbered from number 120 to 134. They were likely sung by Hebrew pilgrims as they were making their way up to Jerusalem for a worship festival. And in that, I say up for two reasons. They go up to Jerusalem because, number one, topographically, in the area of Palestine, Jerusalem was actually a, an elevated city. But also that metaphorically shows this continuing of moving up, upwards in our faith and upwards in our maturity. 
There's, so there's two different parts of that. Now this could be a really good example to help us understand what it might mean to live a faith journey with Jesus and the hope that we're aspiring and striving to see and to, and to be part of and to be excited about. Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, says this about this psalm. He says, Psalm 130 grapples mightily with suffering, sings its way through it, and provides usable experience for those who are committed to traveling the way of faith to God through Jesus Christ. You see, we can count on God. We can count on Him. Hope is necessary for us because we're a broken people. And because we're a broken people, we can't always guarantee that things are going to turn out okay. I mean, Look at this world. Look at our lives. My life. I know what it's like to be broken and to be not perfect. And, and we need hope in our lives. We need Jesus. And I love at the very center of the psalm, it has this, uh, this, this full assurance of hope. So you can imagine kind of looking at the psalm and in the very center, the very focal point, the epicenter, is all about the assurance of hope that we can have in God. So in this psalm, there's two parts. The first part is a confessional part, and the second part is this declaration of commitment to God. So let's look at this first part. Obviously, the psalmist starts with this position of being such a low point of despair, saying, out of the depths I cry. And who does he cry to? He cries to the Lord. And in this psalm, the word Lord in Hebrew is Adonai. So Adonai is, is master. So as he's crying out, he's saying, saying, Supreme Master, the master of all, you are the only source of hope. I cry to you. Now, why would the psalmist need to do that? In despair, why would he need to, to plead to God in this way? Well, I think it's because we often put other things in the way of where God should be. That there's other things that become our master. And he's crying and, uh, and appealing to God as you are my master. You are the one with, with all of the hope. You are the only one source of hope that I have. Because often what we do is, and maybe you feel the same, that we feel like we, we put these things like money in the way and being our master. Maybe we put our phone as something that we, we have a mastery over us. Or it could be pornography or it could be our job, or our hobbies. I mean, there's lots of, there's a host of things that, that we put as a master in our lives. And we let these things master us. But do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, that we can't serve two masters. That we just can't serve two masters. We either serve one and not the other, or vice versa. That place in our lives needs to be Adonai. It needs to be God, it needs to be Jesus. Jesus is our master. He needs to be, have the only place in our lives as being the master. Now, when I hear the word master, I can't help but think about dogs and their masters. I don't know about you, like I don't have a dog right now, but I have in the past. But I get this mental image of how a master is uh, so important to the dog. You know, like the, the, the dog is waiting upon everything the master says. When the master leaves, leaves the door, 
I know of stories of people's dogs where they, the master goes away for a long time, days potentially, and that dog just faithfully sits in the hallway at the door just waiting for its master to return. And when it does, it's so elated and so excited to see their master. And I think that gives us a really good picture of, of how that allegiance to Jesus as our master should be. That he should be our master like that. So are we counting on Jesus as being our master? That Adonai, that crying out and waiting upon our master. You know, all those things, money and hobbies and pets and, and, and our phone and all these things that I mentioned earlier, these things can't give us eternal hope. We put these things often into our lives and we focus on these things, but they can't give us eternal hope. They leave us empty every time. And as we pursue this, we, we need more. We can't get enough and we need more. We put this, these things in our lives where only God needs to be. And we can't feel fulfilled until we put Christ in the center. So we should pursue Jesus as Adonai, our master, and he lasts for eternity. Nothing or no one else can compare. We do this so that we can, and as we see in verse 4, with reverence serve him. That that's why we need to plea out to, to our master, because there's confidence in knowing that God provides through Jesus. That there's mercy available to us, which is found in his complete and promised forgiveness in Jesus. Now, I like what the psalmist says in, in how they describe um, is, if you, Lord, in verse 3, if you kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? I, I like that because it, it shows how God's character in how he views confessed sin. That, that the confessed sin isn't worth his time counting. Like if we were to count up all those things, confessed and unconfessed sin, that we would be overwhelmed. But he doesn't. He's confessed, the, uh, you've confessed those things and he has been faithful and forgives us those things and they're confessed sins. And they're not worth his time. He doesn't count them against us because he knows they would overwhelm us. You know, our sins are all the things that would separate us from God. They're not just wrong things. They're not just things that are bad or evil or things that we know we should do better. Like, oh, there's a lie. I shouldn't have lied or I stole or I shouldn't have stole or I spread a rumor. I shouldn't have spread a rumor or been malicious. We all do those things, but it's not just those things. It's also that we have this place where God should be in our lives. In the Bible, it also often talks about this it being an idol. So we make things a God. And God is a jealous God, and he doesn't want us to have those things because he knows those things will destroy us in the end. And they can't fulfill us the way that, and love us the way that he can. Remember in, in Romans 5 verse 8 that, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, before we were born, he made a way so that we could be made right with God, with himself, with God. It showed that, that through Jesus dying on the cross for us, that we can be made right before God and live eternally in his kingdom now, but also in his kingdom, his new earth 
and new heaven that he will bring one day. That we can have that relationship restored with him. Jesus frees us from the burden. He liberates us from the burden of carrying around the sin. There's no need to leave, live burdened anymore. We can live in freedom. It's all because of the hope that we can count on in Jesus. It's like a backpack after a long hike. The feeling when you take that off, when you go backpacking, you got a tent and you've got a sleeping bag and you got food and you got all this stuff. And then when you release and you take off that backpack, there's that complete release. So when you're crying out, as, as the psalmist says, like cry out to you and that he doesn't count those sins anymore. It's that release and this feeling of, of sweat pouring down, but yes, feeling lighter and your, your shoulders seem to lift. When you, when you count on God as your hope, that's the feeling you get. That it's all paid for. That there's victory over sin. I was hiking in East Souk Park on Vancouver Island when my kids were young. And I remember trying to climb that last hill, that last bluff up to Beachy Head. There's a marker at the top. And I remember having a kid on my back and I just struggling up. And then when I got to the top, taking the kid off the backpack and feeling light again and, and the sweat just coming down because it was a hot day and the sea air just cooling me off. And I remember feeling that burden just being gone. And that's what it feels like when Jesus takes our sin. He takes our burden. So in this psalm, our freedom is in forgiveness. But it's an, it's an unloading of burden that we can, so that we can serve him without hindrance. That's what that's for. That's why we need to unload our sins. So we can serve him without hindrance. I'm reminding, uh, reminded of a passage in Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and I want to read this to you. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, and he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus knows that carrying that burden of sin is not what we're created to do. That's not who we're created to be, is to carry around this burden. We're not meant to do that. We need to get rid of that burden. So, so what's entangling you right now and hindering you from serving Jesus? What is that load you're carrying? Is it, is it too hard for you to handle right now? Or is it too easy to bother addressing? And it's too light and too small of a thing. You're like, ah, it's not a big thing. But it's still there. How do you respond to this forgiveness with either of those things, whether it's big or it's small? Are you running to Jesus and allowing him to, to forgive you for those things that you've done wrong? Are you counting on hope in Jesus today? If you aren't, you really can. You can today. You can make this happen. So the first part was this confessional nature that I wanted to address. The second part of the psalm, the second half, is more of a commitment and declaration. 
And it starts off with this idea of a watchman and, and there's a great anticipation, a waiting of hopeful expectation, this lunging forward. There's this desire of the psalmist, of their whole being, their mind, body, and spirit, not just part of their being, but their whole self yearning for God. So why did the psalmist use this idea of a watchman? Well, in Bible times, watchmen would, would often guard the city at night so that raiding tribes or, or, or even ferocious animals couldn't come in and attack people when they slept. They would sound the alarm and be watching and waiting and anticipating in case, just in case there's something next, waiting for the dawn, waiting for the promise of everyone waking up again and everything being back to normal while everyone's sleeping. Every day, the dawn would faithfully come. This hopeful waiting is expectant and in full knowledge that Adonai, the master, will produce this hope that we long for, this waiting and lunging forward, it, and this desire that the psalmist talks about more than, like more than a watchman, that's that, that he says it twice because he's emphasizing that, that this, this longing of the psalmist for God, this, 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 I wait like a watchman for the morning. I wait for the watchman in the morning. He's just overemphasizing this desire to make sure that they are waiting and make sure God knows that. But also imploring us as God, as Jesus followers, as followers of God to do the same. Your Adonai delivers what he promises with unfailing love and full redemption. Separate from Adonai is only failing love and incomplete redemption. That's the reality that we live in. We are lost without our master, Jesus, Adonai. Let's just read those last two verses again quickly. In the Psalm 130, it says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. We can count on hope in Jesus. He will redeem us. He will do what he says. This is how we are to follow Jesus daily, like a watchman, because if we're unaware, not on watch, we are just like this story. Now, my parents divorced when I was a teenager, and um, shortly after that, I went for a hike with my dad. My dad got this new contraption called a cell phone, <laughs> and he thought, hey, why don't you phone somebody? Who would you like to phone? Well, I said, my, my mom. I'd like to phone her. So we're at the top of this mountain on this hike, and he, we phone my mom. And I said, mom, guess where I am right now? And she said, I don't know, you're out with your dad. I'm like, well, I'm on the top of Mount Zuhalem in Duncan. And, and you know where the cross is at the top. The Catholic Church at the bottom of the hill had made a white cross at the very top of the mountain. I said, I'm right at the cross. Can you see me? She said, no, I don't. I'm looking out the window. I can't see you. I, and I knew my house well because I live with my mom. And I said, mom, go into the front yard because you can look from the front yard all the way up to this cliff. She said, okay. So she walks out and she said, I'm looking and I can't see you. I said, I think I got an idea. In front of this cross, what I'll do is I will get out in front of this cross. I'll put out my arms and I'll make the cross disappear. 
And then I'll jump out of the way and it'll reappear again. I'll do that a couple times and then you'll see it. You'll see me, mom. You'll see that I, I'm there and I'll wave to you and you'll see me there and you'll see that, that I, I am actually there. Now, understanding this, the, this mountain is really important for this part because my mom was sitting in my front yard looking up at this cliff and only thinking about, uh, about five to 10 feet away, this sheer cl rock face cliff of about 300 feet and knowing that if I took a tumble, if I just stumbled just a little bit, that I would be dead. I would be destroyed. And so she just cries out on the phone, no, don't do this, Wes. Don't, don't go in front of the cross. Don't dance around the top because I know what's there. I know the cliff that's right in front of you. I know what could happen. Now, I think that, that this is similar to how God views us with sin. So for me, like I'm like the person, I'm like all, all, every one of us just dancing around this edge of this cliff. Look at me, I'm doing okay. I think I know it's best. I don't know the danger that really could happen to me. And God is down giving us, he's down off the mountain, but he's giving us this idea of like, like I know the dangers, but I'm giving you the freedom to do what you like. But I know that this sin, these things in your life, they will ruin you. They will, they will destroy you. And I don't want you to feel this because I love you so much. I care about you so much and I don't want you to die. And this is how I feel. That I think that God sees us. He says, I don't want you to do this thing. I know the dangers of sin and I don't want you to do it. Jesus, who is also our Adonai, our master, saves us from the dangers of sin. He knows better than we do the destruction of sin in our lives. We can count on Jesus. So these two big lessons that I want to come out with today, the first is to drop your burdens, to drop your burdens. So what's your load that you're carrying on right now? Are you carrying a load? Is it a mistake you've made from your past that you just can't let go? Is it something that's, that's in your past that's dictating your future? If it's something you've done or something you've said, is it a sin that you're denying and you're refusing to deal with as great or as small as you think it might be? Is it something that God is calling you to do and you're just afraid to do it? What is that load that you're carrying? Let me remind you that what Jesus said in, in Matthew 11, he says that his burden is light, that the, the world's burden on you is heavy and you shouldn't take it on. You're not created for that. But his burden is light. You are created to have him in, his, in your life. So take on the life that he wants for you. This hope, this greatest of all hopes has been fulfilled in Jesus. He has done it all. In Jesus, there is his unfailing love and only in him is full redemption. In the face of suffering, in the face of our depths, we still have hope. Eugene Peterson also said in the same book that I quoted earlier, he said this, this idea of hope does not mean doing nothing. It means going about our assigned task, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. So let's not do nothing. Let's drop our burdens and live a life for Jesus in freedom. And the second lesson is to be a watchman. Or maybe I can call it a watch person to be more accurate. To be a watch person. 
The watch person has no control over the dawn to rise, no influence over it. Just, it just watch and wait and knowing the God who is more faithful than the rising of the sun will be there. He is more faithful than the rising and the setting of the sun every day. All who wait on God for mercy and grace are sure to have peace. So be a watch person in where you're at right now. Waiting might be the only thing you need to do. And that's okay. Just wait, be a watch person and wait upon him. Trust him, be obedient and wait upon him because his ways are good. And they're always true and he is always faithful. Start every day with a prayer, recognizing a new day in which you can commit to being a watch person. Now, I hope you find through this psalm that you can count on Jesus to be your hope. In your waiting, in your suffering, in your joy, in your exploration or in your discovery, in your wonderings, in your uncertainty, in your safety, in your mental health. Count on hope. Jesus will meet you every time, just like the dawn. Now, if you don't have a, re a relationship with Jesus and don't have Jesus as your hope, turn to someone next to you, someone who brought you and ask them if, you, if, if they can lead you in a prayer of salvation that would help them to understand what it might, what it might look like for you to have hope in Jesus. If you don't have someone with you in the service right now, why don't you go talk to someone at the Welcome Center, talk to someone who, who, who's on staff and, and to ask them, can you lead me in that? And I want to have that hope in Jesus and ask them to pray for you. If you're at home and you're watching online, to send an email to info at southridgefellowship.com and to ask the staff, the staff would love to lead you in a prayer to, to, to have Jesus as your hope. They would love to lead you because we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And we want you to experience that. Jesus has changed my life, transformed my life. And I would only want you to have the same. Our only hope is in Jesus. We can count on hope. All we do is come. All we need to do is ditch the load. Watch for the dawn of hope. He has done the rest. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that in this psalm, we see that you are the unfailing love that we long for. And, and you have given us full redemption through your sacrifice on the cross. We wait as a watch person for the dawn, crying out to you, but knowing in full expectation that, that you are coming. You are more faithful to us than the rising of the sun every day. We look to you for hope, restoration, and to the removal of our burdens your death, Jesus, was not in vain. Forgive us for the unnecessary weight we carry and we choose to live and we choose to live free in the freedom that you paid the price with for with your blood. It is through your name, Jesus, that we pray to you now. Hey, thanks for Amen. joining us for our online service today. Uh, our prayer and our hope as a church is that you experience the power and the presence of our God. 
And now, as I mentioned before, if you want to know anything about us as a church or how to stay connected and what's going on within the life of our community, uh, just check. make sure you check out our website because that's the best way to do that. Uh, now, Pastor Wes has actually prepared some questions for us, uh, and I want to encourage you to do something here. Now, whether you are alone uh, or maybe you're with a group of people, I want you to take a couple minutes to actually prayerfully ask God to continually speak to you because I believe that the work that he's going to do isn't just finished with the message, that he still wants to impact and speak to you today. And so take a couple minutes as you work through these questions to listen to what God may have for you today. And here's question number one. What does your life look like when you are a watch person? What does it look like when you are not a watch person? Question two, what is a heavy burden you've been carrying unnecessarily? And then how has that impacted your life? And question three, who do you know that needs to know about the hope of Jesus? And is that you today? Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week.